Uh, just three very brief observations out of this text. If you've been around church for any amount of time, you're probably familiar with the story that I just read, the, the story of the, of the Good Samaritan, uh, but the context is very important. Uh, we understand that Jesus is actually talking to a guy who's looking for a way to justify himself. He's coming to test Jesus. He's coming to make sure that Jesus kind of meets up to his standards. Uh, and a lot of us approach faith like that. A lot of us will come and examine to see whether Jesus meets up to our standards. Is he really the kind of savior we like, or do I really want to maybe shop elsewhere? What's interesting in this passage is that Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter. He doesn't actually answer the man's question, uh, but rather he gives him the opportunity for self-reflection. He gives him the opportunity to consider that maybe, just maybe, he's going about this the wrong way. And his self-assurance, perhaps, is misplaced. And so for us this morning, I think that the truth remains. Uh, it's important for us to understand as disciples of Jesus or those here who maybe are considering what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, to understand his priorities and the work that he wants to do to transform our hearts and minds. So just three observations. I'm not going to go through uh, this story again. Uh, it will be, if you, if you haven't heard it too often, hopefully uh, I won't do it injustice. You'll be able to follow along. Uh, but I'm just going to make three quick observations. The first one is this revealing question that this, this lawyer asked. But he desiring to justify himself. Look at that little that little uh, phrase there to explain what's going on here, what's in his heart, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The idea here is, is that uh, the man is trying to make sure that he sets the parameters for his service, for his life, for his choices. His question is motivated by a desire to be right. His question is motivated by wanting Jesus to affirm his position. And if you're here this morning as a disciple of Jesus or someone who is exploring the claims of Christianity, and you're here this morning expecting Jesus to endorse you outside of his grace, you're going to go away disappointed. God is not interested in negotiating with you. God has no interest in coming to me and making sure that I feel good about him and, and just have him in the, in the right frame of mind in order to be in a relationship with him. God has come to do a radical transformation in your heart and in mine. God has come to turn our lives upside down in order that we might actually experience forgiveness and grace and mercy and have our lives in this world transformed so that our lives in the next will be with him. And so this man's desiring to be right, but he's going about it the wrong way. What he's actually asking here, and I've, and I've written it down in the outline, is what's the most benefit I can get by doing the least amount of work? <laughs> That's really what's in his heart. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have 2028, 20, 365 days a year, but I think we would all have to admit that doing it one day a year isn't that much of a stretch. And if we're looking for this experience to then make us uh, valid in our own eyes, boy, we're, we're really the good Christian people. We're really, we, we really have it right. Everybody else may, maybe, maybe not, but boy, look at what we've done on this day. I don't think we are guilty of, of trying to find out what's the least we can do, but let our hearts be worn. Is my life really being transformed? You see, quite frankly, in this question, the neighbor's of no value to the lawyer. The neighbor has no concern whatsoever for his fellow man. He's seeking to get the opinion of Jesus swayed in his favor. And so the question is very revealing question because it's actually a statement. 
Jesus, just simply tell me I'm going along the right path. I'll be done. You'll be done. We can go our separate ways and everything will be okay. Well, Jesus, as he is wont to do, uh, doesn't play by anybody else's rules. Uh, doesn't let anybody else set the table, so to speak. Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter with a startling response. In verse 33, he starts to tell a story about a man who was robbed, and along the way, he talks about uh, two different men who should have stopped and helped. The, you know, kind of the good Christian folk in the story uh, were, the, were the Pharisee and the Levite who were passing along and should have stopped and offered some help. The priest and the Levite, they're going up to Jerusalem to worship. They're on their way to church. You think if somebody were on their way to church, they would actually stop and help someone in case anybody else saw them going to church <laughs> and thought, well, they're going to church and they didn't even stop. Even if you have the wrong motives, you would think you would stop. But their religiosity didn't allow them to engage with this man, so they crossed by on the other side of the road. And then Jesus says something that's truly astounding. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. I don't know how to put that in a modern context that would be powerful enough. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They loathed each other. Jews, if they were traveling from the southern part of the country to the north or north to south, would actually go out of their way several miles and then travel north and south and then come back to Jerusalem or back into the, the northern part of, of uh, Israel instead of going through Samaria. That's how much they loathed doing that, being engaged with the Samaritans. I know that there's a good rivalry between Missouri and KU, but I don't know anybody from that's a Mizzou fan that won't drive through Kansas to get to Colorado. I think it's not, you know, it hasn't quite reached that proportion. This would be like, um, and I don't even know if this does it justice, but a member of Al-Qaeda, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw a, an American ranger who had been fighting his sworn enemy, and he was wounded, and he had compassion on him. It would be something absurd like that. And Jesus uses an absurd example to, to startle his listeners. But a Samaritan, are you kidding me? When he saw him, he had compassion. Help comes not only from where you would least expect it, but in fact it comes from a source that offends you. There's no way that the Samaritan's going to be the hero of this story, as those who are listening to Jesus are certainly thinking. What Jesus is saying is all your prestige, all your wealth, all your influence, your social standing, it's all irrelevant unless your heart has been radically transformed so that you see as God sees. That when you look at the world, you look at the world through the eyes of Christ. You begin to reflect the nature of your heavenly father. Everybody knows I'm a huge John Wayne fan. In the movie True Grit, there's a scene where John Wayne and, and Glenn Campbell, Rooster Cogburn, and, and the ranger from Texas are crossing a ferry, uh, uh, crossing a river on a ferry, and they're going after the bad guys. And the young girl whose father's been murdered and wants to come along has been left behind. They won't let her come. And instead of going back to town, she takes her horse and she, she goes downstream and she rides her horse across this cold, cold river in order to catch up with them. And, and Rooster Cogburn, the marshal, looks out and he sees her doing that. Sees her, you know, defying all odds. She's going to make it. She's going to keep up. And he looks at, at the ranger and he goes, she reminds me of me. <laughs> what a great line. What a great line. How can you say John Wayne's not an actor? Come on. Everybody here under 30 is going, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> When's the last time God looked down and said, hey, look at, 
Look at Tom Rex. He reminds me of me. That's what Jesus came to do, friends. Jesus came to give us his grace and his mercy so that we actually could stand in his justice, in his righteousness, in his perfection. And our imperfection could be taken away through his gift and his sacrifice on the cross. And so when Jesus gives this response to this man, he's like, you're, you're nowhere close to the truth. You haven't even begun to comprehend the vastness of God's mercy and God's grace. It's as if a Samaritan has come to take care of his sworn enemy. Which leads us to, again, just to, for the sake of being brief, for, for Father's Day, a very uh, compelling conclusion. And so they finish up the story, and Jesus looks at the Lord, and he says, you know, let me ask you a question. Which of these three, you have priests, you have a Levite, those are kind of the upstanding citizens of the day, and then you have, you know, our sworn enemy, the Samaritans, we wouldn't even, you know, we, we wouldn't even, you know, bother to even look their direction. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor, and that's my underline, not the text, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? You see, the lawyer had asked the question, who is my neighbor? right? That was a question. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And wanting to justify himself and make sure he was doing enough. And yeah, okay, so who's my neighbor? How far do I actually have to go? Jesus never answers that question. It's as if it were never asked. He completely flips it around. And he says, not who is the neighbor, but he says, who did the neighborly thing? <laughs> who was the one that proved to have the heart of God in this story? Who was the one that was looking at the world through the lens of God's grace and God's, God's mercy and God's care? And the guy's painted himself into a corner. He has to answer or everybody's going to laugh him out of the conversation. He said, the one who showed mercy. <laughs> and Jesus says, that's right. Now you go and do likewise. Now Jesus isn't saying that through, through a life of service you earn heaven. Jesus is saying, the more you connect with me, the more you stand in my grace, the more you understand that you needed God to be neighborly to you or you were going to be lost. You were the, the, you were the guy in the ditch. You were the one who had been beaten and stripped and robbed. That's what your sinful rebellion against God has done to you. But God didn't send any mere mortal along to try and help you out of the ditch. Every other mere mortal was in the ditch next to you. God sent the Savior. He sent the compassionate one, the merciful one. And actually, God has been neighborly to you through the gift of Jesus Christ. Do we get that? Do we understand that? What Jesus does in refusing to answer is he speaks to the man's misplaced pride. And, and, he, and he talks about the, he turns the question so that, that it reveals my evil heart. Go be a neighbor appropriately shifts my focus. It allows me to look, not a comparison to you or Green Tree to any other church or Christians to non-Christians, but it forces me to look at my own heart through the mirror of grace. It challenges me to weigh my motives against God's. Do I reflect his love for a lost humanity? Uh, the, the, the theme we kind of put up at the beginning was yesterday I saw God and kind of fill in the blank. And I got to go and visit a lot of different sites yesterday, and I saw a lot of joyful serving that I think actually is motivated by the right heart. It's actually motivated by people of grace who have received grace, who are astounded that, they, that they've been given it and want to share it with others. But I hope all of us who are involved yesterday or as we sit under this passage this morning could say yesterday or today, I see God changing my heart 
to look just a little bit more like his. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the, the stories of yesterday. I think of, of uh, just the kindness and the compassion of serving. Uh, sometimes with folks we, we didn't know, sometimes with folks uh, we did know. Uh, think of Ellen just caring so much about the, the people who couldn't go a mile down the street and see their old friends. So she threw an ice cream party. Lord, what a, what a great example for us. Uh, Lord, I pray that the heart of Green Tree would be the heart of Jesus. That what would actually be happening here on Sundays when we gather for worship, in our homes when we get into community groups with one another, or service days like this, trips to Joplin, uh, the, the mission trip to Tijuana to build homes, uh, what we do in our offices during the week, uh, in our school, in our hallways, during the, during the school year, Lord, wherever we find ourselves, we pray that you would constantly be transforming us to see the world through the gracious mercy of Jesus that has captured and saved our souls and now calls us to share that with others. By your grace and for your glory and our good, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.